Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525 for joining us as we get started it's seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on this monday the 10th morning of the month of december in the year of our lord 2018 it's a glorious day indeed let us not let it go to waste coming up in about uh we'll call it 41 minutes uh, at about 9.48, we will talk with uh, Congressman Jim Jordan, and we're going to talk about uh, the long-awaited testimony, the most recent round, still long-awaited uh, testimony from former FBI Director James Comey before the, the uh, House Judiciary Committee on Friday. Obviously, that testimony was given behind closed doors at the uh, Republican leadership's uh, urging. Because they didn't want Jim Comey to be able to, uh, to, to be able to say once again, I can't answer in this setting. I can't answer in this setting. Because if it was public testimony, he would have been limited in what he was, what was able to say. So they let him testify behind closed doors so he could say it, even though the transcript would be released heavily redacted, however, on Saturday morning. And indeed it was. And lo and behold, he didn't let the, uh, I can't answer in this setting on these various questions, hold him back from once again stonewalling the questions asked by the Republican members of that very important Judiciary Committee. Instead of I can't answer in this setting, he may have set a record, according to President Trump, <laughs> for statements uh, in the vein of I don't recall. He said, I don't know, I don't remember, or I don't recall 250 or so times, according to the record. So in other words, James Comey, who continues to provide cover for the Hillary Clinton and Democrats uh, sponsored uh, obstruction of justice, destruction of, of federal per, federally protected emails, use of an illegal private email server, to hide all kinds of nefarious deeds, and we don't even know how. You know, here's the bad part. The bad part is we don't know how, we even know what kinds of nefarious deeds we're talking about because she not only destroyed all of her uh, actual printed emails, she make, made sure to bleach bit her computers to make sure nothing could be re- recovered digitally from her emails. So we don't even know what kinds of things she was into. Uh, but at any rate, we all know what happened. James Comey started drafting the exoneration letter for Hillary Clinton long before the investigation was even completed and long before he had even interviewed uh, the former Secretary of State herself. And so uh, the Judiciary Committee trying to the very last minute here and the very last uh, moments of this of this particular Congress, in this particular session of Congress, to try to get some justice on behalf of the American people and some proof that there are not two sets of or two different standards of justice, two different standards in, uh, for law in this country, uh, one standard for all of us and one for the politically connected by the likes of Hillary, or like as the likes of Hillary Clinton would indicate. So uh, really, really important conversation that we'll have with Jim Jordan about that. We'll also talk to Congressman Jordan coming up uh, at about 948 about the funding of the border wall. We all know where this stands right now. The president wants his $5 billion. And the Democrats are not budging off of the $1.6 billion for, quote, border security. In other words, nothing at all for the border wall. Why? 
Well, because as Nancy Pelosi describes it, the incoming Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi says the wall is immoral. Building a border structure to protect this country is immoral. She actually said those words. It is embarrassing to know that the third person in line to the presidency, Nancy Pelosi, truly believes we should have open borders. She said walls are immoral, morally wrong. Watch, she said. Simply astounding. You know, uh, Nancy Pelosi fancies herself a, uh, self a Catholic, for what it's worth. While she publicly advocates for the murder of babies, which is absolutely 100% opposite of Catholic theology, Catholic, Catholic doctrine, she still calls herself a Catholic. I just wonder when she's going to make that phone call to her bosses at the Vatican, talk to the cardinals, talk to the Pope if she can get an audience, and say, you know, that wall surrounding Vatican City is immoral. Let people come and go as they wish into the Vatican. I mean, really, who puts up walls? And I wonder how many of her Hollywood supporters who live in gated communities in Beverly Hills and in all the other ritzier areas of Southern California, she's a Northern Californian, but those in, oh, we could even talk to the ritzy ones there too, but how many of them live in gated Tear down those gates. They are immoral. People should be able to come and go as they please. Yeah, the president wants his wall president is probably not going to get his wall. How do we know this? Well, because the president has no more cards to play. We had a temporary spending bill that he signed, a stopgap spending measure that he signed on Friday that is going to carry us into next week. Uh, By the time we get to the end of this Congress, there will be no chance whatsoever. The government will have a partial shutdown going into the new Congress, and then the Democrats will take over, and then all their, well, there will be hell to pay. I apologize. I wanted you to hear the wall story right now, but we're having a little tech glitch with the computer. One more time. Despite the stopgap spending bill signed by President Trump on Friday, a number of other bills remain unfinished, including, of course, the one that deals with border wall funding. But the clock's a ticking. The president will meet with Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi tomorrow to try and work out a deal. But with Democrats saying they can only give $1.6 billion for border security, the impasse is threatening a partial government shutdown if there's no compromise in two weeks. You know, it, it, what's frustrating about it is, is they say they can give only $1.6 billion in border security. And I, again, would point to the math here. And I'm not, you know, look, I graduated with an English degree, not a math degree. But even I can tell that $1.6 billion, $5 billion, $25 billion, the entire cost of the wall pales in comparison to the over $100 billion that this country spends on illegal immigrants every single year. The numbers are itemized, they are sourced, they are broken down. My friends at FAIR, the Federation for American Immigration Reform, have told these numbers and given these numbers when I broadcast live from D.C. three months ago. I got all of the numbers. It is over $100 billion a year that we spend on illegal immigrants in this country. A $25 billion border wall would be the biggest bargain, perhaps, in the history of American expenditures. In the history of our budget expenditures, it might be the biggest bargain. But instead, the American left continues to argue, we don't need it, it's immoral, and oh, by the way, abolish ICE. 
We don't need immigration and customs enforcement. These are these are Nazi like jackboot wearers. These are uh, these are uh, uh, racists who are just looking to destroy the lives of of innocent people who are here, uh, who are just as American as they are. Abolish ICE. How many more times are we going to hear the Democrats say that? And now, of course, that they are going to have power in the House of Representatives because the American people did not get out and vote properly in all of those different uh, House races. We told you this would happen. Now ICE is truly going to be facing potential legislative actions against them by the House Democrats. And I bring that up to you today because of this story from the weekend. To remind, well, not us, you and I and people who listen to this radio program certainly have an idea of how important ICE is to the safety of the people of this country. But it's people who don't listen to programs like this. It's the people who watch networks like CNN and MSNBC and who read the Washington Post and the New York Times. They're the ones who don't understand. Five-day operation conducted by ICE in New Jersey has taken into custody 105 foreign nationals who were in the U.S. illegally. Approximately 80% of them had prior criminal convictions and or pending criminal charges. In other words, these are some bad people doing some very bad things, and not just illegally in, uh, it's not just their presence in the United States illegally that led to their arrests. None of the suspects were named, but the descriptions of them and their crimes were included in the statement. Individuals arrested came from 24 different countries around the world, including Canada, Egypt, Guatemala, Korea, Mexico, Poland, and Russia. I wanted to say that because the narrative is ICE, especially operating under the orders of a racist president like Donald Trump, is just trying to stop brown people from getting into America. Make America great again, we were told, was code for make America white again. And as proof of that, he's going to stop all those brown people from Mexico from coming in. And then, of course, you can take that to other Latin American countries or Central American countries as well. But I just gave it to you. Canada, Egypt, Guatemala, Korea, Mexico, Poland, and Russia. They were all found across the state of New Jersey, and two were arrested in New York. Their ages ranged from 18 to 65. Their crimes varied from fraud to drugs to child abuse to theft and MS-13. Four of the individuals arrested had Interpol warrants out for their arrest for crimes they committed in their home countries. 59-year-old Korean national was wanted for the crime of indecent acts by compulsion causing bodily injury, according to the statement. 44-year-old Korean wanted for distributing drugs. 34-year-old Ecuadorian national was granted uh, wanted for fraud. 54-year-old Russian national wanted for large-scale fraud. These outstanding results, which are made possible by our officers and law enforcement partners, highlight the tremendous commitment that ICE ERO, which is Enforcement and Removal Operations, or ERO, ICE ERO, has to public safety throughout the state, said the field director of ERO in Newark. Our focus has been and will continue to be on arrests of illegal aliens who have been convicted of serious crimes or those who pose a threat to public safety. Several other uh, others were arrested for crimes against children. A 35-year-old Ecuadorian convicted of forcibly touching a child. 52-year-old Mexican national convicted of promoting prostitution with a child. 34-year-old Honduran convicted of endangering the welfare of a child. And a 43-year-old Canadian convicted of selling drugs 
to school kids on school grounds. Several members of violent gangs were arrested during the operation as well. At least one member of MS-13 known to have been arrested. At least one member of the 18th Street Gang, a rival to MS-13 known as Barrio 18 in Central America, and a member of the Sereños 13th Street Gang were arrested as well. Gang members, child abusers, drug dealers, all of these people running around in American cities. This is just one bust in one state, in New Jersey. Multiply this by a factor of hundreds, and these are the people that are running around all over this country doing all of these terrible things, and the American left wants us to abolish ICE. We don't need federal law enforcement to chase these people and to track them down and remove them from our country. Let them have access to our children. Let these gang members continue their uh, their incredibly violent activities here in the United States. We don't need to get rid of MS-13. We don't need to get rid of the 18th Street Gang. We don't need to get rid of the 13th Street Gang. These people are just here trying to make better lives for themselves. Sure, by victimizing more people. So it's really just a striking, striking uh, uh, news story here to see this. And this literally just broke over the weekend. To see this um, fantastic story of ICE doing great work while the left continues to say, we don't need a border wall. We don't need a border wall at all. A border wall is immoral. We'll give you $1.6 billion, but not for a wall, because that wouldn't build you two fence posts. In the realm of, 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 of you know the, the, the expenditures it would take, that wouldn't build you two fence posts. $1.6 billion is going to be wasted or frittered away in other ways that have nothing to do with building a border wall. All right, a lot of that to get into. Again, we're going to talk to Congressman Jim Jordan about some of this coming up at 948. Other than that, we are wide open for your phone calls it's this morning at 216-901-0945 or 888-281-1110. We'll get to Twitter and Facebook on the other side as well. As much as I despise those uh, platforms, we will use them for our benefit as we continue right here on AM 1420, The Answer. Captured everyone. I hear you've been a dancer or pharmacist. Nine twenty-five now. The Bob Branch Authority on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. I want to take a moment here before I go to the phones. <clears throat> And good morning to you once again. I want to take a moment to say uh, thank you once again to the absolutely brilliant um, entertainers, historians and friends uh, at the public square and at uh, uh, AP uh, Roundtable. Uh, that's the American Policy Roundtable and uh, the Ohio Roundtable. Uh, Christmas in America 1981 was phenomenal on Saturday down, uh, out at uh, Medina at the Cornerstone Chapel Church, or Cornerstone Chapel, I guess we'll call it. Uh, it was a tremendous event. I want to say thank you to Dave and to Rob Walgate and all of their fantastic staff and their wonderful performers and the entertainers and the musicians and the storytellers. Uh, it was really, really wonderful. And thank you to all of those who came up to, in- to introduce themselves to me as well. I met a lot of very nice people. Some people I met for the second time, perhaps, and if I didn't place your face from the first time we met, my apologies for that, but I shook a lot of hands and uh, and received a lot of warm Christmas greetings with my family on uh, Saturday evening, and I wanted to say thank you to all of them who came out. So a lot of people came to me and said they did not know about the show, and they only came to the show because I talked about it for the last couple of weeks, and I was so glad that I was able to do that for you because I know you enjoyed it, and you'll come back next year. <clears throat> 
I know I intend, I intend to come back next year as well. So thank you to everybody who came out and uh, made my family and uh, uh, and myself feel so very uh, uh, welcomed by everyone there. Really, really a wonderful time. All right, let's go to the phones. Uh, Joe is uh, calling us from Lakewood. You're on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, Joe, go ahead. Uh, good morning, Bob. I'm good morning, just, Joe. Uh, uh, the president can go right on national television and tell them about what it costs to keep these aliens in, in, in the USA, $100 billion, and a wall would be one quarter of that. And I don't know why he doesn't just do that. Well, he, he does it by way of Twitter. Um, you know, and he tells people those things on Twitter, and he's got 50-some million Twitter followers. Uh, so he probably figures he's getting the word out that way. But I agree with you. I think a prime-time presidential address would be in order, and not just when we have the State of the Union in a few months. Uh, uh, I would wear a couple of months anyway. I would very much like to see him come on there and, and break it down, too, line by line. This is how much we spend on the education of illegal immigrants. This is how much we spend on health care for, for illegal immigrants. This is how much we spend on housing. This is how much it costs us in terms of the jobs that they take from American citizens. Lay it, lay it all out there, line by line itemized the way fair did and show that it's literally over a hundred million or billion dollars rather every single fiscal year to care for all of these people and we allow the floodgates to remain open it makes no sense that's right and the american of all the american people don't know this just from this twitter account the right everybody doesn't go on twitter like myself i don't even go on twitter well, that's because you're smarter than the rest of us. Seriously, you don't want to be on Twitter. It's a toxic place to be. It really is. I, and I mean that. Joe, I can tell you this. When I retire from radio, when that time comes, I will never go on that thing again. I use it now solely because of the radio program, and I feel like there is information I need to get from there. I need to read the propaganda from the left so that I know how to properly combat what they're saying on the air. Uh, but but you're smart to not be on Twitter, and you're right. The president does reach a lot, but he wouldn't reach everybody the way he would with a national primetime address. So I'm with you. I really hope that's something he would consider consider doing, is is, is making an address like that and to, to explain exactly why we need this wall, what the appeal is really all about. Uh, oh, I doggone it, John and Chardon. I apologize. I just hit the drop button instead of the connect button. My apologies. John and Chardon, I'll put you up first on the other side of the news because you were next up anyway. <clears throat> But we'll get to our newscast, and then we'll come back and take more of your phone calls. we got phones uh, open for the next segment, but then again at 9.48, uh, Congressman Jim Jordan will, will be joining us to talk about Comey, talk about lies, talk about false recollections, and to talk about that border wall. All of that coming up right here on AM 1420, The Answer. .org. Mike Gallagher, coming up at 11 on AM 1420, The Answer. You're as cold. All right, 933 now, the Bob France Authority continuing on AM 1420, The Answer. And uh, I want to go back, because uh, I, I kind of started talking about this top of the hour, and I want to go back to it, even though I'm going to have more in-depth on it with uh, Jim Jordan coming up in about 15 minutes uh, or so. But um, it was a great uh, piece in the in the Daily Caller kind of um, summarizing where we are right now with respect to uh, James Comey's testimony on Friday, and, and why this should matter to you. This is important, I, and, and I really hope this isn't just kind of blah, blah, blahing you. Um, if you're tired of hearing about James Comey, if you're tired of hearing about uh, the, uh, uh, the, the phony dossier, 
If you're tired of hearing about what led to this massive investigation and surveillance of the Trump campaign team, which led to directly the Mueller probe, maybe you're just not connecting the dots enough to understand how it impacts you. And I feel like this kind of, uh, it, it's kind of deserving of our time and our attention. Cause I'll be honest with you, I'm tired of James Comey too. I would rather have, as Congressman Jordan would, uh, have Rod, Rod Rosenstein being te- testifying before the House Judiciary Committee. But this is so important because there are two separate standards of justice that have been set in this country. One standard for everyone else, and one standard for the, for the protected elite, the likes of which include uh, Hillary Clinton. And the James Comey unfathomable decision to excuse her from all of her myriad crimes, she he ran through a list, took him about 17 minutes to run through a list of all of the reasons she should be indicted for all of those crimes with respect to her mishandling classified information, intentionally so, with the installation of her private email server, which is very, very different, by the way, than Ivanka Trump's use of a quote-unquote private email account by way of yahoo.com or gmail.com or any of those kinds of things. Those, while quote-unquote private in that they're not the government servers, are very, very different than having an actual private server that no one else can monitor installed in your home the way Hillary Clinton did. And the fact that he exonerated her before ever interviewing her and completing that investigation means that virtually everything that followed that and his mishandling of that is kind of fruit of the poisonous tree, if that makes sense. And it impacts the way we are all treated in this country. The FBI opened counter-surveillance investigations into four Trump campaign associates, private citizens, not elected officials. These are private American citizens who were working for the Trump campaign. In late July of 2016, earlier than previously known, former FBI director told, uh, uh, Comey told Congress on Friday, I was briefed sometimes at the end of July that the FBI had opened counterintelligence investigations of four individuals to see if there was a connection between those, any of these four, and the Russian effort, he said during his seven-hour interview on Friday. The revelation comes as something of a surprise because Democrats and many in the media have insisted the probe, dubbed Crossfire Hurricane, was launched solely based on information that the Australian government provided the FBI on Trump aide George Papadopoulos. It is not clear why the FBI added three other Trump associates to this investigation. Sure it is, because Comey was running a corrupt bureau that was doing everything that they could to try to stop Donald Trump from winning the presidency. Comey declined to name the four Americans, though the New York Times had previously reported that the initial focus of the investigation was Papadopoulos, Carter Page, Michael Flynn, and Paul Manafort. Comey described, <coughs> excuse me, disclosed the new information while disputing a claim from South Carolina Republican Trey Gowdy that the FBI opened an investigation into the uh, Trump campaign. Comey quibbled with the characterization, saying that the investigation was not into the campaign but into the four individuals. The Trump campaign was not under investigation, he said. I'm going to pause here just to again point out the obvious. These are four individuals who are closely tied to and working with the Trump campaign. So, of course, they were investigating the Trump campaign, all based on phony, fraudulent information compiled by a British former spy working in collaboration with Russians to create 
the the phony Trump dossier. You know, there was foreign collusion. There was foreign meddling. There was foreign interference in the 2016 election. But it had nothing to do with Trump and Russians. It had everything to do with Brits and Russians collaborating and coordinating with the Democrats. The Trump campaign was not under investigation, Comey said. Uh, The FBI opened the investigation into four Americans to see if they were working in any way with Russians to influence our elections. Gowdy, the outgoing chairman of the House Oversight Panel, suggested that he had a document that showed the FBI documents initiating Crossfire Hurricane made reference to the Trump campaign. Comey said he did not review those documents, which were put together by Peter Strzok, the disgraced FBI official who oversaw Crossfire Hurricane. I should pause here to also point out the myriad number of people, (coughs) excuse me, Apologies. Uh, the number of people who have either been fired or forced to step down from their positions in the FBI ever since this incredibly corrupt FBI uh, investigation began. Because they knew what they were doing is illegal. The date and rationale for the opening of Crossfire Hurricane were leaked to the press on December 30th. 2017, in an effort to undercut a GOP-backed theory that the infamous Steele dossier was the impetus of the FBI's investigation. The New York Times reported that the probe began after the Australian government provided information gathered on Papadopoulos by Australian diplomat Alexander Downer. Downer claimed Papadopoulos told him during a conversation in London in May of 2016 that he heard the Russian government had damning information on then-Democratic presidential nominee Hillary Clinton. Downer included the the information in a cable he sent back to Canberra, but the Aussies did not share the intelligence with the FBI until after WikiLeaks began uh, releasing the hacked DNC emails on July 22, 2016. Again, I'll pause here. It's not much longer. Bear with me. It's important. I really hope this isn't just minutia to you. It's important. Um, Why it would be considered collusion why it would be considered illegal by the by for any campaign to listen to someone who said, we have information that might be of importance to you regarding your, your candidate, your candidate's opponent in this election. Why that would be considered collusion, I don't know. When the Democrats do it, it's called oppo research, opposition research. I've got something that says Donald Trump did A, B, C, D, and E back when he was a New York uh, billionaire real estate mogul. And, and some of it was illegal. Oh, really? Tell me about it. But if that somebody comes from a foreign country, suddenly it's, hey, wait a minute. That's collusion? Well, then again, why did they hire a British spy to co- collect all of this information from uh, a, a certain number of Russian sources? There was collusion with Russian diplomats. There was collusion with Russian sources. But it was done by the British spy on behalf of the DNC, which went to the, to the mat to get this, um, this dossier put together. They paid for it, for crying out loud. The DNC and the Hillary campaign paid for it. All to get it to the FISA court to get a warrant to spy on the Trump campaign so they could find out what he was doing. Papadopoulos, who was the first Trump aide to plead guilty in the special counsel's probe, has denied seeing, disseminating, or handling Democrat emails. He told the FBI that on April 26, 2016, he met in London with a mysterious professor who claimed to have learned that the Russian government had dirt on Clinton in the form of thousands of emails. Republican lawmakers pressed Comey on whether the FBI made attempts to gather information on Trump associates before Crossfire Hurricane was formally launched. 
I'm sure there were lots of efforts, he said, to figure out what the heck was going on with the Russians because we saw their effort blossom in the middle of June. But I'm not aware of any information before that or at the end of July about the possibility that Americans were working with Russians, he said. At least one longtime FBI informant made contact with Carter Page, the Trump advisor, in early 2016, or July of 2016, as uh, the Daily Caller reported Stephen Halper, former University of Cambridge professor, met Page at a political event at Cambridge on July 11, 2016. The pair maintained their contact through September of 2017, the same month that the FBI surveillance warrants against Page had expired. Harper also had contact with Papadopoulos. It is not clear whether Halper's initial contacts with Page were part of an FBI operation. The Times, Washington Post have reported that Halper was also a longtime CIA asset. So, summary. And that's that's what I wanted to read to you. Summary of all of this, going back to, and we'll get uh, Congressman Jordan's assessment of all of this here in just a few. Summary of all of this. Comey essentially admitted that, yes, the FBI started an investigation into four American citizens, all of whom were closely tied with the Donald Trump campaign, but saying that the investigations only had their names on it, not the Trump campaign, thus giving them plausible deniability that they were spying and investigating without any warrant whatsoever at the time, without any justification, without any probable cause, they were investigating the Trump campaign. I mean, think about that for a moment. If somebody launches an investigation into a campaign, but doesn't want to call it that, they can say, no, we're just looking at the people associated with the campaign. We're investigating them and what they did on behalf of the campaign. But it's not an investigation of the campaign. In other words, Comey's a liar. We've always known Comey to be a liar, but he sat down before the... um, House Judiciary and Oversight Committees on Friday, and essentially lied under oath. And this is what has got to stop. He has a very, very hard time understanding the difference between the truth and and a lie. And perhaps that's why he uh, followed a lot of the testimony that I just gave to you with about 250 or so I don't knows, I don't recalls, and uh, I don't remember. I think those were the three phrasings. I don't remember, I don't recall, and I don't know uh, to about 250 different questions asked by Republicans in that committee hearing on Friday. Comey's dirty. Comey's dirty, which means the Mueller investigation is dirty, which means all of this is an attempt to undermine the will of the people. They didn't want him to be elected in November of 2016, so since he was anyway, the best they could hope for is to try to undo the election and get him removed from office, and that's where this mission continues today. All right, 945, let me get a quick time out here. We'll check our traffic, come back with Congressman Jordan right here on AM 1420, The Answer. Nine forty nine out of Bob Brandt's authority. On AM 1420, The Answer. Appreciate you joining us uh, this morning. We're going to talk a little bit more about James Comey coming up here in a few minutes. And uh, we're also going to talk about the building of the border 
wall, the security wall that was a centerpiece of the Trump campaign. It was a centerpiece as one of the reasons why he won that won that uh, uh, that uh, election. And uh, yet the first two years of his presidency are about to slide by without its construction. It's a major problem, and I don't know how we get this done before the end of this term. I'm told Congressman Jordan is available right now. Let's welcome him back to the program on AM 1420, The Answer. Good morning, sir. How are you? I'm fine, Bob. Good morning to you. All right. Uh, you've been waiting. Well, I know you've been waiting even longer and wanting uh, an opportunity to have a conversation with uh, Deputy AG Rod Rosenstein. But uh, that's another yeah. part of our discussion. You had also been waiting for another chance to talk to James Comey. It happened on mm-hmm. Friday. Before you get into the details as much as you can, I know the transcripts were at least kind of redacted, heavily redacted. So there may be some things you can't say. But before we get into the details of that, can you express and explain why it is that you and uh, the rest of the uh, leadership on that uh, committee wanted this to be be behind closed doors as opposed to public testimony? Well, we've that's sort of how we've done every witness. I mean, whether it was uh, you know Nellie or Bruce or Jim Baker, the former FBI chief counsel. Um, so we felt James Comey wanted it to be public, and we said, why should he be treated any different than any other witness who comes in? Uh, um, and, and does a basically a deposition. We call them transcribed interviews in Congress, uh, you know, with the court reporter and everyone there. Um, so we said, why should he get any different treatment? Um, this is actually one of the things that drives Americans crazy, this idea that there's double standard, one set of rules for regular folks, but a different set if you're, you know, the politically connected uh, class here in D.C. So we did it just like we did all the others, uh, which we think was appropriate. And, um, you know, it was interesting some of the things he had to say. Okay, let, let's get into that. The only reason I ask is I'm wondering why he wanted it to be public and why uh, the committee wanted it to be private. And I understand you've done it private with other, you know, behind closed doors with yeah. some of the other witnesses. But uh, well, I but, think mm. yeah, I think he wanted it public because I mean that, that's his whole mo now. Everything is, you know, uh, he's selling his book. He's on TV. He gave a speech over the weekend where he talked about make sure that. You know, uh, that, that President Trump, he encouraged people to go out and make sure President Trump doesn't get a second term. I mean, he's out there as, as, as public as can be. I think he wanted the same kind of dynamic to be, uh, in place when he testified. And we just felt like, no, we're going to do it the same way that we've done all the others. Frankly, this should have happened a long time ago. And as you said earlier, what I'm more focused on right now before the new Congress is, is uh, comes in in January is, is getting Rod Rosenstein in front of us in a private setting under uh, with a court reporter where we can where we can get answers to questions. The president tweeted over the weekend uh, that uh, he must have set a record, speaking of former Director Comey, uh, in telling lies to Congress in a single day. And it's been counted, yeah. I guess, some 250 times. He either said, I don't know, I don't recall, or I don't remember. So let me ask right. you this in a general sense. Was it productive? Was was the was the, the testimony productive, the questioning for seven hours? Did we get yeah. anywhere? Well, I mean, there were lots of I don't knows, I don't recall, I don't remember, uh, specifically about important things. Like, he didn't know anything about Christopher Steele. So, but I still think it was productive because you always learn something. Um, but yeah, I was, and, and maybe one of the things you learn is how little he did know, or at least how little he said he didn't know. Like, he didn't know that Christopher Steele had been fired by the FBI for leaking information. He didn't know that Christopher Steele had continued to meet with Bruce Orr, top Justice Department official, and that Bruce Orr was giving information uh, to the FBI uh, about Christopher Steele. He didn't know that that took place prior to his firing and after the firing. I mean, those are pretty important. That he didn't know that Christopher Steele met with, with media in September of 2016. He didn't know any of those facts, which which surprised me a great deal. So um, if, if nothing else, we learned things that 
you know, we thought he would know something about, frankly, that he told us that he didn't. So um, that was probably the biggest takeaway I had. And those are, those are some of the questions I asked him because I was particularly concerned about, uh, you know, Christopher Steele and obviously the, the, the idea that this was the guy who put together the dossier that became the basis for the FISA warrant. I just read a, a, a pretty extensive piece on this uh, from the Daily Caller. Um, w- one of the big takeaways that I had was his acknowledgement that there were investigations, FBI investigations into four Trump associates in late July yeah. of 2016, but that they stopped short of investigating, quote, the Trump campaign. No, 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 we're not doing that. We're just investigating these individuals to see if they had any ties to Russia. Uh, now, I don't yeah. understand how they can say we're investigating four people who are working on the campaign, but then be able to say, apparently with plausible deniability, that we're not investigating the campaign. Why are they doing that without warrants? Why are they doing that without even probable cause, for goodness sakes? Yeah, yeah, no, no, you, you, the same, I think, takeaway many of us had is you can say it's four individuals, but it sure looks like you're investigating uh, the campaign. And remember the context. You're investigating the Trump campaign after, but with the same people who just cleared the Clinton campaign, who just cleared Clinton of any wrongdoing in her use of a private server and sending classified information, just cleared her, and the same people go over and investigate four individuals associated with the Trump campaign, but they say it's not really the Trump campaign. So I think you have to step back and look at the context there, too. The same team struck Paige McCabe, the same team, Jim Baker, the same team, uh, moves over and investigates the Trump campaign. And that's been our problem all along because the basis of that investigation and securing the warrant on Carter Page was the dossier that was what? Paid for by the person you just said didn't do anything wrong, the Clinton campaign. Congressman, uh, we have precious few days left uh, before this uh, Congress ends and a new one is sworn in uh, and beginning next month. Um, what are the odds you're going to get Rosenstein before you before that happens? Mark Meadows and I and Matt Gates have been pushing like crazy. I think they're actually pretty good. We have been pushing uh, Chairman Goodlatte to make sure this happens. I think he is more inclined to do that now in light of some of the things that were said and not said by Mr. Comey last week. So um, we think that's going to happen. We've got two weeks to get it done. We're going to continue to push. We think the American people have a right to know if the top person at the Justice Department, the guy who in effect has been running the Justice Department, Rod Rosenstein, if, in fact, he was considering and talking to people about the 25th Amendment and considering wearing a wire to actually record the president's conversation. So that's important. We need to ask him about those and those issues and some others, frankly, um, in the next few weeks, or we're never going to get answers in the next Congress. Obviously, on Friday, the president signed a stopgap spending bill. Uh, we pushed this thing back until next week now, I guess, because of the president's death, yeah. uh, President H.W.'s uh, death last week. Uh, which again means we're going to have this fight right up until the 11th hour uh, about uh, the funding of the border wall. Lindsey Graham, I really liked, went on uh, TV yesterday and uh, and told the president, do not back down on this. Demand your $5 billion. I'm demanding $25 billion. I want the whole thing built. But they're saying, yeah. nope, 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 we can't come up with more than 1.6 or we have a government shutdown. Um, what are we going to do? Yeah, well, Lindsey Graham is right. We should demand, and this is the position of the Freedom Caucus, uh, we have said you, you need the full $5 billion with no strings on it so that you can actually do it, use that money to actually secure the border, build the border security wall. And, frankly, we also believe you have to reform our asylum laws, the whole catch and release. After all, this is the whole issue with this caravan. It's, we have to reform the asylum law that we currently have to deal with this problem and not – and if we don't, it will, the, the, the wrong message will continue to get sent to folks. If you come here, say the magic words, you get in, 
before you can try to storm the gates like they like they've uh, uh, like they've they, we've seen happen in the last several weeks. So those two things have to happen, and the president should stand firm, just like Senator Graham indicated yesterday. So so what do we do about the the, the latter? I mean, that's you know we're talking reforming the law. You guys are the lawmakers. Anybody have a proposal on the table so we can get this thing going? Yeah. Freedom Caucus, we will offer an, we will offer a uh, language to any spending bill that says do just that. The five billion plus reform our asylum laws so that we can address the problem. That's what the American people sent us here to do. Is one as you said, one of the biggest issues of the 2016 campaign. Let's deal with the problem. It's just good common sense. So let's do it. We will push for that. And frankly, I don't think I don't think any members of the Freedom Caucus, I don't think we'll vote for any bill that doesn't do those two things. I would hope not, and I would hope there would be more like you. Uh, unfortunately, I don't feel that way. I don't have the confidence in your Republican colleagues to to stand firm on that. Um, and speaking of the Freedom Caucus, let me ask you this in closing, Congressman. Uh, Mr. Meadows' name has been floated around as, as a potential yeah. um, uh, chief of staff for the president once uh, 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 General Kelly steps aside uh, in, in January. Uh, anything you can share? I know you guys are very close. You both founded the, the Freedom Caucus. He is now its chair. Um, any yep. any thoughts on that? Oh, he's Mark's Mark's my best friend in Congress. Here. He's a super guy, and he would do an outstanding job if that's uh, if that's who the president selects as as his next chief of staff. Uh, he just would. Um, you know, we'll see what happens here in the next few weeks and what the White House decides. But uh, Mark Meadows would do an outstanding job. I don't want to lose him. Uh, I think he does a great job here on Capitol Hill at leading the Freedom Caucus, and and he, I'm on the oversight committee with Mark, and we we typically do so many things together there. Um, if the president selects him, he'd be outstanding. I think he really would. I'm uh, I'm not that kind of interviewer that's trying to like get tips so I can say I broke a story. I don't take this that way. Um, that's just <laughs> not who I am. But but I but I just I'm curious as to is this something that Mr. Meadows has reached out to the White House about, or have they approached him, or can you just answer neither of those? Mark, I don't think Mark is actively lobbying for the job. I just think he's being considered because people know he'd do an outstanding job, and I think I think. Folks in the White House understand that he has a great relationship with the President of the United States, and there is uh, there's there's mutual respect there, um, and, and and a friendship there. So, um, look, I think he. I do think you, do you uh, think, based on how closely uh, you are associated with him, he said he's your best friend in Congress. Do you do you think if that offer was extended, he would leave Congress and take it? I don't. I don't want to speak for Mark. I don't want to get ahead of it. I will tell you this: I've okay. talked to Mark a lot about it uh, the, the last several days. Um, and, um, you know, we'll see, we'll see what happens and we'll see what, uh, what the, what the president and his team at the White House decide. Uh, if, as I said, if they decide to pick Mark Meadows, they will be picking a good man who I believe will do a great job. Yeah, and it would be the Freedom Caucus's loss, obviously. Um, and oh, and speaking, yeah, spe- sure. speaking of that, by the way, any, you know, with changes in Congress, changes in the House, uh, any, any new interest in, uh, joining the caucus for many members? Oh yeah, we're going to have a number of new members who are um, who were campaigning one this year. Chip Roy, Ben Klein, um, uh, Mark Green. We got a number of folks who are interested, and in, I expect we'll join in the next uh, in the next uh, Congress. All right, Congressman, thanks very much. Many of them for an open seat. I'm sorry. I said many of those were guys who won an open seat races. Uh, good guys um, in uh, uh, from different parts of the country. That's great, and and that's good to know because I'm ho- I'm hopeful that the uh, that the movement grows. We certainly need more members in that body to increase its uh, effectiveness, and uh, and and we certainly appreciate everything you do for it as well, uh, Congressman great. Jordan. Thanks very much for the time. I appreciate Thank it. We'll you. talk one more time before Christmas. I promise. All right. Sounds thanks good. much, sir. You got it, Congressman Jim Jordan. Joining us on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. It's ten oh one. Let's catch up with uh, our news now. Right here on AM fourteen twenty. The answer.